Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in amma ba'd. Ramadan Mubarak to everybody and uh, welcome to this first reflection. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us an understanding of these verses of the Quran as the month of Ramadan is the month of the Quran. Month of Ramadan is the month of the Quran. That's why um, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to uh, make it easy for us and open it up for us and make it an inspiration for us. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. The Quran is a message. The Quran is not just something for reciting. It is actually a message. It has a discourse. It has engagement. It has communication. And that's what we're trying to receive from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the verse that I want to discuss today is verse uh, 13 of Surah Al-Shura, which is chapter 42. So chapter 42, verse 13. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الله يجتبي إليه من يشاء ويهدي إليه من ينيب Allah chooses for himself whom he wills and guides to himself who turns to him in repentance and obedience Very short verse and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us two messages in here. One is that Allah chooses, he tells us and he declares that Allah is going to choose for himself whomever he wills. Out of the human beings, whomever he wills, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses them. And then he guides to him, himself who turns to him. So he's giving us a reason. He's giving us a secret. He's telling us who is the person that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will choose. So he guides to himself who turns to him in repentance and obedience. So there's two things that are being mentioned here. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses people and then he guides them. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can choose whom he wills. But then here he says there's a way that you can be chosen. And we all want to be chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our creator. And we're supposed to love him more than anything else. And if he chooses us, this will just become easier. And then there's just untold bounties, bliss, benefits to be achieved by that in the hereafter as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can elevate anybody he wants, enable, enable whom he wants, raise the ranks of whom he wants and give him guidance. Now, what does he mean by turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in repentance and obedience? That means repentance and turning to Allah. So we've actually, if we've been distracted, you know, we have this concept in Islam called Tawbah, right? And Inaba. So the word here used is Mayunib, from the concept of Inaba, which basically means to turn back, to come back. And the idea of this is that when we sin, when we become negligent, when we become a bit heedless, when we've been distracted, we've gone away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if we've been lax in prayer or missed a prayer or in covering or not abiding or not respecting our parents or whatever it is that means that we've departed from this so now what we need to do is to go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's the concept of coming back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and coming back to Allah must be must be sincere so when Allah says that we come back and return uh, to him in repentance and obedience this must be a genuine seeker so we must become a genuine seeker for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we want Allah 
the more genuine that our pursuit is, our turning is, and our focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, the more Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us. Now the way to be genuine, there's a number of things about this, is to have humility and self-surrender, total obedience to Allah and the straight path as far as possible. That's what's required from us. Of course, Allah understands that we are weak and that's how he created us. We are weak and we will make mistakes and we will have issues. But the best thing is that we continue to try and Allah looks at that effort. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala absolutely values effort and values good things. Uh, every bit of effort that a, that a human being makes towards his cause. So the important thing here is to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wholly so that he can choose us. You see, this is our first reflection. And what I want to mention here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran a number of things. Right? The whole point of the Quran is to give us information of how to live uh, in this world. Uh, it's all about preaching the truth. It's about giving the right information about what we need to do. And I believe as believers, you know, in light of this verse, we are actually obliged to accept all the articles of faith. I mean, that's, uh, I guess that's everybody understands that. All the articles of faith that we must believe in, we must believe in that. And, but where do we get these articles of faith? That's what's important. They must come from the Quran directly and from the Sunnah of Rasulullah. These are our sources. So anything which is supposed to be that we believe in needs to come from the Quran and the Sunnah. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the Quran in pure Arabic, in clear Arabic rather, Arabiyyim Mubin, in clear Arabic. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then makes it very, very clear uh, in the Quran that we've actually made the Quran easy for you to understand. Now I've had these questions before that. If the Quran is easy to understand, then why are there parts of the Quran that are mutashabihat, that are ambiguous verses? Uh, for those who were with us last year and the previous year, you'll understand that there are a number of ambiguous verses in the Quran whose meaning is very, very difficult to ascertain fully, 100% or at all. So if the Quran is easy to understand, what exactly does that mean? So I think I want to deal with that today just so that we know where we are and how far our tadabbur and this reflection of the Quran can take us and how far we are allowed to go with this. So it's the Quran is very, very easy to understand. A number of verses come, come to mind in that regard. I'll just mention a few to you right now. Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَعَلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ يَتَوَكَّلُونَ الَّذِينَ يُقِيمُونَ الصَّلَاةَ وَمِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ حَقَّا لَهُمْ دَرَجَاتٌ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ وَمَغْفِرَةٌ وَرِزْقٌ كَرِيمٌ Surah Al-Anfal Surah Al-Anfal verses 2 and 3 which speak about what kind of a submission and fear and obedience that we need to turn to the Qur'an with and how one needs to weep when the Qur'an is being recited uh, under a number of verses. Likewise, Surah Al-Isra, verse 82, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَنُنَزِّلُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا هُوَ شِفَاءٌ وَرَحْمَةٌ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَلَا يَزِيدُ الظَّالِمِينَ إِلَّا خَسَارًا this verse more specifically speaks about how the Qur'an has been revealed as a shifa, right? as a cure, as a therapy, and also as a source of mercy for the believers. But you need to be a believer for this to be a shifa for you. Uh, of course, it could be a shifa and a cure for 
non-believers as well if they try it out. But there is a requisite, which is that you're guaranteed shifa and cure if you are a believer. And likewise, there's a number of other verses. So firstly, it's the Quran is easy to understand, as Allah says, in ascertaining the main beliefs that a Muslim needs to hold, that a human being needs to understand for them to get the best out of this world and to be successful. So for example, the concepts of monotheism, Tawheed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to believe in the oneness of Allah, to declare the oneness of Allah, that is mentioned very, very clearly over and over again in a number of verses in the Quran. When a person reads the Quran, it's not difficult at all, as Allah says, it's not difficult at all to understand the main aspects of what is required for a human being. And number two, the Quran worldview. Everybody needs a worldview. If you don't have a worldview about how you live this life and what the world is all about and why we're here for, then we're really not getting anywhere. Everybody needs a worldview and that worldview needs to be correct. It needs to be accurate. It needs to be the right one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants because he's the creator of the world. So we need to get it from him. And the Quran is very, very clear about that. So the Quran is not complicated in that sense. right? And nobody can read the Quran and say, I don't understand the basic truths. The basic truths are obvious. They're clear as day as soon as you read the Quran. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala means. The basic truths that we require for our life are absolutely clear in the Quran, right? So anybody who reads the Quran, they cannot say that they didn't understand it. Because the way, the, the arguments, as, as we covered, covered two years ago uh, in our 30 juz in 30 days, in one hour each, right? How it was so clear that how Tawheed was mentioned in so many places over and over again, re reiterating, it's been articulated completely in a very eloquent and e effective sense so that people understand it in a, number of, in a number of places, with a lot of vigor, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala declares these things. So that would mean that anybody who actually reads the Quran and takes it to heart, they could never engage in polytheism. Like that would be an absolute no. It would be impossible because of what kind of arguments and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has presented therein. And that is exactly what happened in the time of uh, the Prophet sallallahu wasallam, that they were the, the enemies. They wanted to hate the Prophet sallallahu wasallam because obviously uh, he came with something that was different to uh, what they had been used to all of these centuries, their forefathers and everybody else. So they didn't like him for that reason. They had a bias, they had a bias against him, but they couldn't help being affected by the Quran. They had to literally shut their ears because they couldn't, be, they couldn't help being affected by it. Now look, it's very possible that people read the Quran and then they still stumble on some sin, they commit some errors, they commit some mistakes, they have some transgressions and so on. They have a bit of apathy uh, here and there and they don't you know, discharge their religious duties. That's absolutely possible. They may even fall into some wicked acts. But you know, such a person, he may make some sins and so on, but he can never, never commit polytheism if they've really understood the Quran. So that message is very, very, very clear. Likewise, the second most important thing, which is we have to know about, is the messengership, the Prophet's prophecy, the duties of his office, the role that he played, what is required from us for him, what's his position, and why he came here, and everything else. The Quran maintains extensive accounts of not just the Prophet Muhammad and the various things that we can draw lessons from in his, that happened in his life, but also of the other Prophets that we can learn from. And again, going back to the tafsir of the full Quran, I mean, there were numerous stories of um, all the prophets, right? 
For example, if I uh, just signpost you Surah Al-A'raf, Surah Hud, Surah Al-Shu'ara, these three are especially filled with the stories of the Prophets. So it's quite easy to actually access the Qur'an and consult the Qur'an for guidance, right? Because uh, no one has been able to contest that truth that the Qur'an is not a guidance for me. There's enemies of Islam. There's that individual from Holland who was a sworn enemy Islamophobe. And mashallah, he ends up becoming Muslim because the mistake he made in his Islamophobic uh, state, you could say, is that he opened the Qur'an to try to find mistakes in it, to try to find issues with it. And mashallah, it just took him over. And mashallah, he becomes a Muslim, right? That's how powerful the Quran is in that sense. So having said that though, there are, there are contexts in the Quran. There are specialized contents in the Quran, complex issues, right? Like I alluded to earlier, that it's not easy for everybody to arrive at the absolute purport as to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intended by them for everybody. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, you know, as much effort as is made on the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals new meanings. You know, one is that there's a clear meaning that everybody understands and there's a number of other deeper, more profound meanings that the Mufassirin pick up, that people pick up, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives, uh, gives to people. And that is the reason why they say that, for example, fiqh, right, jurisprudence is complete, pretty much, except new issues. Likewise, a number of other subjects like the, the laws of grammar, the laws of uh, morphology, you know, related to the Arabic language, they're pretty complete. However, tafsir is one area. The Quran is one area which is not yet complete in the sense that it can't be complete because it's Allah's words and they're infinite. So more and more tafsirs are being written, have been written, and they will continue to be written. But nobody can, but the one interesting thing here is that in those complex issues, nobody can claim that they know the meaning 100%, right? As long as it follows the spirit of the Quran and it doesn't, con it doesn't contradict any of the verses and it follows the general mizaj and spirit and ruh and, uh, of the Sharia, that, 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 that could be acceptable. I mean, we leave that to the Mufassirin. However, people need to be very careful about those verses and going beyond the obvious. That's why, for example, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, once he exclaimed, right? He says, Oh Allah, which refuge can I have under the sky like what refuge is there for me under the sky or which retreat can i take a shelter in if i make an unsubstantiated claim about any of the verses of allah's book because they were scared about this they were frightened because it's allah's word you don't want to misconstrue allah's words i mean if somebody misconstrues your words right if they misrepresent you right most people would be quite agitated by that. They'd be quite upset that, look, that's not what I meant. That's not what I was trying to say, right? You're misconstruing the idea. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't like it because it's a very important message that he's, he's providing. La ilaha illallah. That's why even Umar radiallahu anhu, whenever, you know, sometimes when he would make a statement about the Quran, about a meaning of the Quran, he would, he would ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for protection, right? That's why... To grasp the absolute essence and spirit of the Qur'an and the objective of the Qur'an, one's at at attitude needs to be one of respect and caution. Now, even if you can't decipher the whole Qur'an, that's understandable. I get calls from people where they've got a confusion about a certain verse or a certain hadith. Just a few days ago, I got that question. And that's fine. But the approach needs to be this, that everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an is absolutely 100%. Likewise, everything mentioned in the Sahih narrations is 
Now, there could be absolutely a confusion regarding a verse. I have confusions about certain verses. I don't understand what they mean. But just because I don't understand what they mean, that doesn't shake my faith. I know that I can't understand everything. So what I then try to do is I try to figure it out. I try to read different tafsirs. I try to read from different scholars. And, you know, our scholars were all like that. If you look at, for example, Imam Alusi, one of the great mufassirs of about 200 years ago from Baghdad, amazing tafsir he has called Ruhul Ma'ani, right? Ruhul Ma'ani, the, 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 the spirit of, of meanings, right? It's an amazing tafsir. It's a very, very eloquent tafsir. It's a very profound tafsir. Number of places he says, this is something which confused me. This is something which has confused me. And he says, I've still not been able to find an absolutely... Uh, uh, an absolutely certain answer to this. However, this is what my research has led to. And then he'll give his proposal, his thesis about what that particular verse or what that particular idea in Islam means. That's, that's the adab of it. But subhanAllah, you know, we get, uh, you know, we get people saying, just because they can't understand something, this is affecting my faith. Why should it affect your faith? I think you're just approaching it in the wrong way. As I said again, there are clear verses in the Quran that are clear to everyone and they give us our basic and most important guidance. However, the Quran is also uh, for many other things, to, for a higher level of spirituality, for a higher level of understanding, for a higher level of connection. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open up to whom he wishes. He won't necessarily open it up to every one of us. That's why nobody can insist that. One who is blessed with the fear and consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is probably more likely going to be able to get more out of the Quran. Anybody who does it for like an academic study, that's not what the Quran is for. Yes, you can get some benefit from that, but that's not really what the Quran is for. It's not for an academic study. It's actually for an internal study, for a personal, uh, for, uh, uh, for a personal interaction, personal uh, growth and enhancement and one needs to have fear so for example there's a verse in suratul hashr verse 21 right suratul hashr is uh, chapter 59 allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says law anzalna hadhal qur'ana ala jabalin laraitahu khashi'an mutasaddi'an min khashyatillah subhanallah had we sent down this quran on a mountain you would surely have seen it humbling itself and rent asunder. That means split by the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what the Quran requires, a fear of Allah, that these are my Lord's words. And I am hoping to get an understanding from him directly. You see, when a person reads the Quran, especially a pious person, a righteous person, they are shaken to the core of their being. They tremble in awe at the realization that what is in front of them is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And it's such an attitude that helps one to derive guidance to the highest degree, right? That's why there are hadith which say that there will be people who will recite the Quran, but they're going to get nothing by that. Some cases, the Quran is not even going to go down their throat to the heart when they recite, because they're reciting for the wrong reason. That's why there needs to be a particular attitude to that. Subhanallah, the Quran is a boundless ocean of so many different meanings. And when it's just when you start looking at the tafsirs and people, how they've explained different verses that you understand that, that, hey, that's not something I would have ever thought of. And you get amazed by it. And then you look at another one, you're like amazed by that. Subhanallah. So one should recite the Quran 
you know, some of the most profound places of reciting the Quran is in one's nafil prayer. That's why I always encourage in Ramadan, try to increase your memorization if you don't know enough. What an amazing feeling it is and what a pleasure there is in reciting Quran. Besides the, you know, the few surahs that we're always used to reciting, right? In the sunnah prayers, in the fard prayer, in the nafil prayers. It's amazing. Tahajjud prayer, in the sunnahs of Asr, in the sunnahs of Dhuhr and so on. It's amazing, right? So... Another thing that one should avoid with the Quran is that don't, don't seek to justify a meaning in your mind. So if I hold a certain belief, I'm trying to find justification for it. That's not what the Quran is there for either. Subhanallah. Also, there's been a few people who said that they've discovered a meaning of the Quran that nobody ever knew about before. Right? That this is something that nobody and it's been a hidden meaning or it's actually been a missed meaning and it's so important. Like certain terminologies of the Quran that nobody's understood it for a thousand years. Now that's a major issue. That actually shows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala somehow chose him specially as some kind of pseudo-prophet to come with a new idea. That's just actually not very helpful. People have had meanings, but nobody can insist that even this new meaning that they're talking about, right? It may be just something totally off. I mean, it sounds like a form of deviance if somebody comes with a new meaning after a thousand, fourteen hundred years that nobody else has known. Otherwise, why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just open it up to this particular individual? So that doesn't sound right, right? You see, you can read the Quran for your entire life and its marvels will never end, right? Its meanings never end. And you just have to become more refined in your approach and Allah will keep opening it up. You just have to keep reading the Quran. As I said, you have to keep reading the Quran for that to happen. Subhanallah. So, um, in order to finish off now, when a person reads the book, they need to have a specific state, right? For Allah to choose them. Because as Allah says, Yashtabi ilayhi man yasha, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses whom He wills, right? Uh, and He will allow them that who have mayunib, uh, who return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in obedience and in submission. That's why when we read in the Quran, we need to have fear in our hearts. We need to think that the Quran is speaking to me. I should not be reading the Quran thinking, oh yeah, that, that's referring to my friend or that's referring to my enemy. No, I need to read this for myself first. This is how the Sahaba used to read it. This is the Prophet ﷺ himself reading it that way as well. And then you deliver whatever benefit you get from that. You can deliver it to others and you can share in the meanings of that. So the Quran is there for us to reach our destination. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala selects with it. It's one of the ways, one of the most effective ways to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you're reading his words and Allah will choose us from, for this inshaAllah. That's why at the end of it, this is, will be our dua. And we make this dua over and over again. We say, Show us the straight way. The way of those whom you have bestowed your grace, on whom you've bestowed your grace, and not the way of those who earned your anger, nor the way of those who went astray. So that's our dua to Allah. May Allah accept us during these reflections, and may Allah allow us to continue our reflections until we die, so that we get to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala much better. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless your Ramadans, and may Allah make this Ramadan better than any before it. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously.
to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam, and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.